Hey everybody, it's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show. And before we get to this next video, I just wanted to tell you that if you are looking for a way to make some money, to get, get yourself into the green, get out of the red, hook up with me. It, it's very, very, very simple. Just go to attaboy.com, A-T-A-B-O-Y.com, and I will show you how to make some money with a low investment. And it's something I'm doing myself. It's not something I'm just hawking. So do it today. Hyperfund is the is the place. And uh, again, attaboy.com. Uh, you can watch a little video that I've put together for you. You can watch some other videos there, and you can learn for yourself how to get yourself some cash. So let's do it, okay? All right, here's the video you actually came to see. All right, we're back here with another episode of Aftershocks on AftershocksTV.com. And joining us today, we've got vocalist extraordinaire, Mr. Sahaj Tikkadin from Melodic Hard Rock Veterans. Ra, what's going on, Sahaj? Thanks for coming on with us today, man. How you doing? I am pretty good. Um, you know, enjoying the pretty pretty decent wave of positivity that's come since we've released the record. So things are pretty good at the moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, you guys, yeah, well, let's talk about the new record, uh, Intercorrupted. It's out now on Wake Up Music Rocks. It's your guys' uh, fifth full length and the first in over seven years. So it's been a minute or so since the band's been active and putting out new music. So I guess, like a lot of our fans out there, they just, I guess, want to know why, um, how come seven plus years to put out a new record? I mean, what have you been up to uh, since then? I know you do production work, but um, any reason why it took this long, I guess, to put out a new record? I mean, well, you sort of hit it on the, on the head with the production stuff. So basically, at the end of Duality, uh, which was roughly, you know, 2005, um, I started producing and, and started working with other artists and trying to find, you know, like baby bands to, to, to break and to help sort of create a career as a, uh, as a producer and a writer. Um, I immediately started working with uh, the WWE in a band called Downstate. We did a bunch of wrestler theme songs. I signed a band from Florida, a pop band, and all of the guys in that band, that band ended next, didn't actually end up moving on to the next level, but all the, the guys in the band ended up being pretty well-known uh, pop producers, and I'm still good friends with them today. Um, and then, you know, we, we put out another raw record in 2008, and then another one out in 2012. Um, and the, you know, I really wasn't viewing the band as like the main thing at that point. You know, it, it had sort of, We'd had a lot of bad luck. We'd made a lot of bad decisions. And I think the uh, the motivation and sort of incentive to do raw records was more selfish than, um, than really, we weren't trying to build on anything. We were just sort of keeping it alive for ourselves. And um, then I moved to Los Angeles in 2010. And at, when I was there, I started working with other artists, but this time it was artists that were signed to labels and things were a little bit more, um, you know, meaningful in the sense that these were records that were coming out. I started working with Dustin from Starset. Um, I started working with uh, Stitched Up Heart, worked with Otherwise and September Morning. And then ultimately in 2017, 2018, things started ramping up a lot. Continued to work with Starset, started working with Motley Crue. Um, 
ended up doing some stuff with nothing more. Um, you know, there's just a sort of, a, and now, you know, one of the, one of the main projects that I'm focused on at the moment is, uh, Lejean Witherspoon from Seven Dust. Uh, he's doing his solo record and I'm helping him, you know, create the content for that. And we're working on it virtually as partners. Um, and obviously he sings on this record as does Dustin from Starset. Um, mm -hmm. but there's, uh, you know, it's been sort of like a slow incline to get to this point in terms of, uh, being a producer and a writer. So the, 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 the answer to your question is I had to sort of do some due diligence and build my career as a writer and a producer before I could revisit Ra. And to be honest, I really, really had no intention of doing another Ra record until I worked with um, Metal Cohen, who's like this drummer YouTube girl. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she ended up needing a singer for her second album. And we and I had already written and, and worked on the first album. So we sort of did it together. And then I ended up singing it. And then I ended up performing some shows with her. And by the, you know, actually before the end of that, I was already sort of, I got the itch again to perform. And I just wanted to get um, the band together and do another record. and. You know, of course, when you think about it at first, the first thing you think is like, okay, I'm going to get these guys, but they're all like, you know, eight years later, everybody's got a whole career, a different thing. PJ's in mm -hmm. Fozzie and doing like seven other bands and Scooter's retired and in, in, in New Orleans doing his thing, just working on music in his studio. Ben's got his whole sound healing thing. Like I just assumed I would have to do like a massive sales pitch to convince these guys to come back. But uh, it was actually as simple as, hey, hey, you guys want to make another record? And they were like, yeah, 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 we definitely do. <laughs> so it was, that, it was that simple. But it was really important mm. that we have the original guys. Like, you know, how many mm. bands do we know that they come back and it's like the main guy and like one other dude? And that's, you know, mm. I always thought that was pretty lame. And I felt like if I'm going to come back with this band, it's got to be at least three out of the four guys. But luckily we got four out of the four guys. So yeah. I think we're good. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. You know, you just brought up a name before, Lejean Witherspoon, obviously from Seven Dust. And yeah, you guys uh, obviously collaborated on the record together with the song Nobody Loves You. And as you mentioned, um, you also been producing uh, his uh, solo record as well. So talk a bit about your the two of you and your guys' collaborations and really what makes you both click so well when you're writing and recording together. Well, first of all, I think the thing that really is sort of the backbone of the relationship is that Lejean met Ashley, his wife, somewhere around the end of 2004, I'm guessing. <clears throat> and <clears throat> throughout 2005, his favorite record was Duality by, by, by us. And, and mm -hmm. so when he met her, it was sort of the soundtrack to like him finding the love of his life type thing. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, so he had this really special sort of place in his heart with the band and he, and he appreciated me as a singer, appreciated me as a songwriter. Um, and we've obviously, you know, been friendly for a long time, but it was a few years ago where, you know, we really started talking about doing something for him and um, in the process, we ended up basically becoming like super close friends. So, I mean, he came to my house the last time to work on stuff and he brought his entire family and we just all stayed as two families in my house. And it was just really, really great. And he's awesome and his family's awesome. His kids are incredible. And my kid loves his kids and just one of those mm -hmm. things. So 
Um, at the moment, you know, we're just sort of priming everything ready. Now that the raw record's out, I've, I've shifted focus quite a bit at making sure um, he's got what he needs to get, you know, what he wants to get out this year. And, and we're working on that now. But our relationship is, is, you know, it was one of mutual respect in the past, but now it's just like, we're just like friends, you know? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about that song, about Nobody Loves You, and specifically about Lejean. And, and this probably goes into your production skills more than more than the song itself. But you really pulled something that us laymans have not heard from him before. It's it's a very different vocal from him than anything Seven does. You know, what did you work with him to try and find a different place or or was that where he was and you just helped him hone it or what? No, the, the, I, I tell this story. He doesn't like when I tell this story, but it's a pretty funny story. So the first time we're working on Lejean solo stuff. So, so basically the, the, the quick answer is the reason he's singing like that is because that is sort of a teaser to the stuff that we've already been working on in the sense that like, you know, there's no reason for Lejean to be, to do a solo band if it just sounds like Seven Dust. So we wanted to make sure he could showcase parts of his vocals that he's never done before. And, that was, you know, that's sort of a teaser to it, as is we did a cover of Chainsmoking, a song by Jacob Banks. That cover also sort of shows a little bit more vocal color than he's usually showing. But I'll tell you this one funny, it's a funny story. So the first time we get up to sing the very, very first song we ever did, um, I put LJ at the mic and I said to him, all right, this is how you sing it. And I, and I said, okay, here's the first line of the song. You go, getting in line with it. And I was like, okay, heard that? So getting that line with it. And I was like, just, that's it. And he goes, all right, I got it. I got it. And he goes up to the mic. First time in, in 20 years singing for a different project. Gets up in the mic and goes, getting that line with it. And, we, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> let's calm it down. Let's reel it back. Let's try it again. And, and it took... It took probably more takes than he would be willing for me to divulge in this, mm -hmm. but it took him a few times to sort of, you know, this is a guy that sang in the same band since 94. So he's, sure. he's programmed to sing a certain way. So there was a, there was a, you know, an unlearn what you must learn period. And he, uh, <laughs> and he definitely took to it. And not only that, you know, he, w one of the reasons why it even became a thing was because I would hear him when he didn't think I was listening, I would hear him singing like radio pop songs, like to himself, like under his breath. And I was like, dude, you're sort of a dope R&B singer. Like you can do that. Like, why not do that and make people happy? You know, mm -hmm. like why not show people that side of yourself? You know, it's, we all know what, what heavy Lejean sounds like, but we don't know what falsetto and, and cool, you know, top 40 Lejean sounds like. And mm. that was just, you know, and I, I have, I, have, I make no apologies for that kind of stuff. Just like on the next, on this raw record, there's so many poppy melodies and poppy moments, but like, I think they're legitimate. I think they feel really good and they feel like, they're not like crappy rock versions of pop moments to me. They're, mm -hmm. to me, they're like legitimate. I think they feel and they're just, and they're ex executed in a way where it sounds like pop elements mixed with rock elements, but neither one is compromised. Whereas a lot of rock bands for me, I have a big problem with because I feel like a lot of times, you know, all I'm listening to is some rock guy sing sort of a crappy 2017 Halsey melody. And it's just sort of like, well, yeah, that's not, 
that's not really pop though. You know, that's just like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to take this melody that I really like from this song that streamed 200 million streams and I'm going to just regurgitate it in a pop song. So, right. I mean, in a, in a rock song, I mean. And I, I, I personally, I have a big bone of contention when I hear that. Um, and it's a fine line. There's some bands that do it better than others. But I think that for the most part, real pop is always sort of adventurous and has like, a, at least modern pop is very adventurous and has sort of like a, a really cool thing. It's it's not something you just copy for the sake of copying. You have to like understand where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Sure, it definitely yeah. does. And, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I was going to use the word mature for intercorrupted versus like critical mass even. And, and, and I think now that you kind of laid that out, I think you probably hit it better than I would. And obviously it's your music, but you know, it, it's, you've added new flavors than pretty much anything that you had done previously with raw. Do you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, 10 years of producing for other bands, you, you, you widen your vocabulary and you sort of view music differently when you go from, you know, when I was just doing raw, I was writing 20 to 30 songs a year. Now I write 10 to 15 songs a month. So it's a completely different sort of like there's a level of detail and focus that um, sort of keeps you from, you know, you, you, get, you get less self-indulgent, but in a weird way, more effective. I don't know how, to, how to, I don't know how that makes sense, but you, you, you sort of you stop thinking about yourself. And you start thinking about the audience when you write a lot of songs. And, mm -hmm. you know, what's funny is. When I, I, have, I have a lot of bands that are young. I have a lot of bands that are 25 and under. And I have a lot of, obviously, friends in the industry. I was just talking to Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves the other day. And, you know, yeah. Doc's, like, in his 30s or whatever. And Doc has a very sort of, like, traditional metal background and likes music. But he's, he's a smart guy. But um, basically, like... You know, Doc, I played the record for Doc. Doc was like, man, it's like, you've got this old school thing that you bring out and I really like it, but it's like, it's old school. And I'm like, old school? Like, what's so old school about it except the stuff? And I was not, I wasn't offended. I was just like, cause he was saying it in a positive, but I was like, oh, okay, cool. But then I talked to my bands that are like 25 and under and they're all like, they're like, dude, this is like, this is like a modern pop record. Like I could listen to this. Like, this is like a thing. And I'm like, it's funny how like one generation, like 10 years can literally change the perception of the same mm -hmm. exact music, two yeah. different groups of yeah. people. And, I, you know, and for me personally, that was sort of one of the goals of the album was to be respectful of what Ra always has been, but also to um, try and incorporate as much of what I think makes modern music amazing as possible without necessarily pandering to it. You know, you mentioned Intercorrupted. I think, I think the design, the DNA of Intercorrupted, the song, is sort of specifically designed to tickle the bone that everybody remembers the band as, you know, and just okay. be like, oh, I, I remember that band. Like, you know, there's moments where you can sort of, you can sort of say it's the Do You Call My Name of this album, even though it's a little bit obviously gentier and not heavy in the verses and stuff, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of designed to be that single, single song, whereas like the rest of the album, I'm really trying to pull from what I feel are the most contemporary parts of my writing. So, um, and of course there's, you know, there are counterparts to that as well. There's, there's still like, you know, there's a song on a record called I Can't Go On. And I was talking to one of my younger bands and I said, yeah, it's, it's the super mega dubstep for this record. And he was like, oh my God, it is. And it's just like, I tried to make, 
each album, I tried to make each song fit a category and check a box off and not necessarily just be, mm-hmm. again, like I said before, self-indulgent and just do whatever I want. Sure. Okay. That sounds great. You know, you just mentioned It's a Corrupted, um, and obviously that song is getting a lot of attention. I mean, not only because, you know, it's a really awesome song itself, but because of the video as well as the lyrics. The video has uh, what seems to have, you know, sort of a strong message, at least at the beginning of it. And it's just real different than your typical hard rock or pop rock video that you, you're going to see uh, these days, especially. So go ahead and, and talk a bit about that track and sort of what, what's what's the overall concept of that video? Because it definitely does get your attention watching that that thing. It's really it's interesting. Well, so the first thing to to bear in mind when it comes to watching the video is I did not have anywhere near the budget to make the video that I actually wanted to make. So there's definitely some crazy cryptic moments in it that are not necessarily (laughs) making any sense, but it's just there because it looks awesome. But we had um, a guy named Kurt Pear in Arizona who owns a million dollars worth of super expensive cameras. And we were able to, um, you know, make it look expensive, at least visually. Conceptually, it's a little crazy, but a lot of people don't realize we had to shoot this entire video, which has 80 shots in it, 80, 80. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we had to shoot it from 5.30 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon on, in one day in Arizona when it was 115 degrees. So oh, it, we're wearing suits, we're wearing suits and masks, and it was unbelievably hot. <laughs> and um, wow. we had to get it done. We did, there was no such thing as, oh, let's take another one of that. Let's fix that moment. Let's do that again like one or two takes running to the next location, like as fast as we could in order to get it in. So that's that's the story with the, with the video. Um, the concept of the song, which is also the concept of the video to a degree is, well, let's start with the song. The song for, for the reason, I, the word intercorrupted is not a real word. It's a made up word, um, but I think it really, it sort of explains the state of the world as we are right now in the sense that we all want to cast blame, whether you're talking about personal life or religious or political, whatever it is, we're always looking at some other entity to cast the blame, to say, it's your fault that this is bad. It's your fault. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. But what we fail to sort of understand is, is that it is our own responsibility and our own insecurities and craziness that actually create the other people, you know, the other people on the other side. Where would, if, if you're a super left-wing guy, where are you if there's no super right-wing guy? And if you're a super right-wing guy, you don't, and you don't have a super left-wing guy to be pissed off at, then where are you, you know? So it's like, you have to take responsibility for creating your opposition to create the enemy, to create the person that you that you're looking to blame, to create that entity. And it's like, we don't do that. We don't start teaching ourselves. We don't teach our children. We don't talk enough about ex- ac- uh, accepting our own role in creating the world that we have. We always talk about, oh, the Republicans screwed that up. Oh, the Democrats ruined this. Oh, that no one ever takes responsibility and says, you know what? I have to help. I have to change this or I have to stop living in the, on the anger and the pain of this. And mm-hmm without actually finding sort of a new baseline to define what we expect, a new, a new way to, to sort of come into the world instead of always feeling like 
no, this is your God and any other God is wrong. This is your, this is your, 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 you know, I mean, it, it, I, and again, this is me saying both sides. You're a white guy who grew up in Indiana, which is where I live. You're supposed to act this way. You're a black guy who grew up in Brooklyn. You're supposed to act like that. That's all stuff that just separates and creates mm -hmm. the, the, the situation where you get to cast blame on the other side and create and create the anxiety and pain that you pretend you don't want. Right. I'm trying mm -hmm. to, I'm trying not to speak in circles, but essentially sure. oh. the, mm -hmm. the, the song being intercorrupted, right. It, and, and I used to, and I like to say that the song is summed up in the last line of the, in the last line of the chorus. And the last line of the chorus is it's too dark for the world to see the light between you and me. And that's sort mm -hmm. of the, that's the whole theme of the song. It's like no one even realizes how intertwined we are, but as intertwined we are, it's not all good. So we're intercorrupted. Mm. Okay. Fantastic. And then when it comes Thanks. to the video, the video was just sort of like my way to like, well, first of all, you, you should see the hate messages on YouTube from guys that are like, you guys are idiots for wearing masks in a video. You guys are idiots for perpetuating that lie. And I'm just like, well, if you had to make a video in the middle of summer during COVID and you had to have a film crew and everybody in the film crew refused to show up if you didn't wear a mask, you probably <laughs> have to do a video with masks too. Yeah, wear a mask, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, every, you know, and here's the other thing, even getting the girl actress, we couldn't find one because all of the, all the uh, casting agencies were like, well, are you guys tested? Do you have your COVID things? Do you have this? What's going to be? And we couldn't find anyone. The girl that we found um, ultimately wasn't, you know, wasn't like affiliated with an agency professionally or had actually, she had just started with an agency and was like, no, I'll do it regardless. And, and even within that, she doesn't have a mask on, but we all do. So, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things where like, I wasn't going to put anybody at risk just mm -hmm. to make it so that it's cool. Mind you, I actually think the masks were pretty dope. I went out and found some scary ones. So we all wear the same ones. And it looks, yeah. you know, I, I, look like, I look like Bane's, Bane's, you know, little brother in that, in that video. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the storyline is sort of the, you know, I was trying to play on a lot of the political anxiety. So wearing the masks is one. Then the whole Me Too thing where women are victimized, I was sort of playing against that where she comes up and she beats us all up. And then, of course, I hit her one time, and my my wife was like, "Why are you beating up a girl in a video?" And I was like, "I was like because you know she hits me, I hit her back, then she mm -hmm. clocks me again, and I'm out." And <laughs> the point is, everybody's everybody's holding their own. You know, there's no mm -hmm. there's no victims in this video, and any other part of it, you know, I guess the idea of the corporate bad guys, which are sort of us, having this this briefcase which in my imagination is sort of has all the goodness in the world, all the hope and, and, and happiness and freedom. It's like, we're, we're trying to take it away. We're corporatizing it. We're pushing it away. We're walking away with it. I get to the top and my, you know, they're, they're, we never got to shoot this part, but my intention was to take the, the case and destroy it off the roof of that parking lot. And then she comes and catches me and takes it back and opens it and freedom and hope goes back into the world. But you know, when you run out of time and you run out of budget and it's 115 degrees, you just put it all together at the best you possibly can. Right. Uh, Saj, real quick about the video and about the girl specifically. 
did she really hit you? Because the scene where she rears back and swings really looks like you took a hard shot to the face. So you're not the first person to say that. In fact, the, the, there's one swing where she hits me. Uh, I don't know if I use the take. I think I do use that. I think it's the, 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 the upshot of her hitting me where I, get, where I swing my head back. Um, mm -hmm. The band came running over because they thought she'd actually hit me. But here's okay. the good, here's the fun, here's the fun part of that story. So the reason why I know how to take a punch in a movie is because my family's in the movie business. And my brother and I worked on a film called Lock Up, which is a Sylvester Stallone movie in 1989. This is a crazy little story. But essentially I was, I was assigned as a 19 year old kid, I was assigned to um, work with the stuntmen. And the guy who was the head of the stuntmen that I was working with, the, front, the, the stunt coordinator for this film was a guy named Frank Orsatti. So Frank Orsatti, Glenn Wilder, and someone called Burt Reynolds, we all know who Burt Reynolds is, sure. he started the West Coast Stuntmen's Association. So while we're working on this movie, and my real name is Daniel, and so he used to call me Danny all the time. So mm -hmm. I, I was on the set, and Frank came up to me one day. He says, you know, Dan, I'm going to teach you how to, I'm going to teach you how to be a stuntman. I want you to be a stuntman. I want you to come out to LA with me and be a stuntman. And I was sort of stoked at the idea. I had just started being in bands, but, um, and one of the things they taught me, the two things they taught me, they taught me how to take a punch and they taught me how to get hit by a car. And it was pretty <laughs> dope and it's really, really cool. And you know, the whole thing where you get hit by the car and you roll off the side and it, it doesn't really hurt you. They taught me how mm. to do that. And then when I went and made this video, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get, I'm going to get to use my take a punch skills after <laughs> 7 million years, oh, someone's yeah. going to punch me and it's going to look dope as fuck. And it did. I thought it looked great. I was like, in fact, my, the camera guy was like, did she hit you? Like everybody thought I hit when she hit me before. I was like, nope, I've been, I've been waiting 30 years for this moment. <laughs> Very nice. Awesome, man. Man. Well, it's definitely a fun video, man. And it goes with a great album. The new album is called intercorrupted. It is raw. And uh, Sahaj, tell people where they should go online to keep up with you and the band and, you know, eventually maybe see a show or two if, if we're ever allowed to do that again and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, so Ra is a really difficult um, name to have in, in, and try and be good on Google. Right. Um, mm -hmm. we've, we've been, we've been uh, fighting a ruthlessly unsuccessful uh, battle with rheumatoid arthritis for the last 10 years, and rheumatoid arthritis has been destroying us. So if you search raw, you're going to get 9,000 rheumatoid arthritis. But if you go to our website, our website is rawband.net. It's been the same one since 2002. It's just rawband.net, and it is linked to everything. Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, our merch store, everything. So it's just rawband.net. And if you go in and put your email, there's an email thing right at the front. So if you put your email in, um, we have like, we do like emails where we send like, uh, versions of songs that aren't even you can't even less you, you, you get them for free and you can't even listen to them anywhere so there's like exclusive content and stuff like that on rawband.net so yep that's the best way to do it all right all righty one more time the name of the album is intercorrupted it is raw and uh saj thanks so much for uh coming on to aftershocks yeah thanks saj yeah dude i'm sorry again for for monday but i'm excited to be here today and i'm glad you guys are here it's a good interview thanks a lot yeah awesome. thank you thank you buddy Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes 
on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions. Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. All right, everybody, another great interview right here on Aftershocks TV. And before we go, just want to remind you one more time, make sure you get over and subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe to everything that we do, not only us, but uh, the classic metal shows, Shockwave Skull Sessions, uh, Talk To Me. It's all there, one site, get four great shows, never have to do anything again, but be entertained. So check it out, uh, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. Until next time, folks.